Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Cam, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, a part of Stroke Focus. Today, we are going to be interviewing Allison Shapiro, and she was a successful businesswoman and visual artist when she was hit by two devastating brainstem strokes in 2002 at the age of 55. And this life-changing event turned her into a leader, an author, and educator in the stroke community. Allison not only recovered from the injury, but published her inspiring book, Healing into Possibilities, and her DVD, What Now? Sharing Brain Recovery Lessons. A strong believer of neuroplasticity, Allison runs a website, healingintopossibility.com, and provides coaching information to people who are interested in leveraging mindfulness to recover from stroke. She is a co-founder of Stroke Focus, and in September 2012, Daniel suffered a brainstem stroke, and through the Internet, Daniel found Allison, who has been mentoring and coaching Daniel ever since. Daniel has recovered remarkably well from the injury in order to turn their experience into something that can help many people. Allison encouraged Daniel to start Stroke Focus back in 2014. She's also been involved in a number of recovery-focused research projects, She created a successful stroke recovery training program, which she teaches in California and Virginia. So, after that long list of accomplishments, Allison, welcome. Thank you very much, Cam. It's a privilege to be here. I so admire what you are doing. Oh, thank you. I am just looking at your list of things and and what you've been able to accomplish since your stroke. And that's huge. I mean, a book, a DVD that you've done some recovery-focused research projects. I mean, I I know for me a lot of things kind of just fell into my lap, but did things kind of fall into your lap or did you go out searching for them? Well, it's such an interesting question, Kim. And I would say it was a little bit of both, but probably mostly they fell into my lap. The stroke opened my heart. It taught me a lot about living. It taught me a lot about humility. It taught me a lot about being willing to learn and be taught. And the more I opened up my life, the more things came into it. You know, I think that's really true, at least for me also. I think that, and not everybody, but I think when you open yourself up, try to find your, I I always talk about purpose, finding your purpose and finding um, gratitude and it just it just seems to open things up. So I like that you kind of feel the same way I do. Thank you. Many people are told, well, I, I hear a lot of things that three months you make the most progress, six months you'll still make some, but at a year, you know, it kind of stops. And some even say six months. 
I know that's not true, but what are your feelings or your thoughts on this? Nothing could be more wrong than that statement. Nothing I've ever heard could be more wrong than that statement. I teach people at all points in their recovery, and I see people make changes all the time. One of my most favorite people on the planet is my friend Rita Martin, who had her strokes 22 years ago, and I see her make changes all the time 22 years later. Absolutely. I I totally have talked to too many people that that we can still make progress no matter where we are in recovery, whether it's two years, 10 years, 20 years, or, or more. We just have to keep working, not necessarily, you know, just sit back and say, oh, it's going to happen, but you can still make progress. And I think, well, just this week I saw a posting about a doctor. The, the woman had her stroke a month ago, and he's telling her, ah, you're not going to get any better. And it's, posting about that and I'm like holy cow what that is so bad I mean yes. that is really so bad if you understand neuroplasticity and how the brain works and I teach this all the time and I teach how to work with recovery if you understand that you realize the single worst thing that you can do is to believe that you can no longer recover and to stop working on recovery. That will fix you in place. Bang. Just like sticking your feet in cement. Absolutely. I'm so glad I didn't have doctors or therapists or anybody like that who ever told me those things that I can't do something or that I can't progress. But at a month, I was just like, this poor girl. Fortunately, we all told this girl, I, you know, the doctor's must be a jerk so you know maybe you need to find somebody else or you know just know that you can continue making progress and just keep working keep you know changing up your routine doing different things and so she got a lot of encouragement but I you know if a doctor told me that at that point I would have been devastated of course so I'm thinking that this is one of the most common things that we get misinformed about recovery, but are there other things that you think that stroke survivors are misinformed about? Oh, endless. And the reason why I teach is because I think we don't have nearly as much information as we need in order to work on our recoveries. If you look at how recovery works, it's not passive. It's not like getting over the flu. You can't sit around and wait for it to happen. Stroke recovery is the most interactive form of recovery I've ever seen. What you do has an immediate and direct impact on your brain and how it's rewiring itself. And we don't know enough when we leave rehab centers or have certain levels of treatment. We don't know enough about how to engage in that process. I think we're still learning. I think our medical community is still learning, and I think they're trying to learn more than they were 20 years ago or 10 years ago even. Do you think we'll ever get there? I, I can't or, answer that question, Kim. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm, and I'm not as interested, although I'm fascinated by research, in what the medical community can do. The thing that I'm the most interested in is what can we as survivors learn in the way of skills 
so that we can interact with our own recovery process more effectively. That's what I'm the most interested in teaching. What's the skill set? We kind of started hitting on this, but you're a big believer of neuroplasticity. And can you tell people how that works or what it is? Sure. I would be happy to. The brain is constantly changing. And the brain changes in response to stimulation. And all stimulation is sensory in nature. Touch, taste, sound, proprioception, all of it is sensory. So that's the process that changes the brain, and it happens constantly. Our ability as survivors is to learn how to pay attention and to work very carefully, slowly, and with a great deal of understanding and perception with that process so that we can do what's called self-directed neuroplasticity. Wow, okay. What is your DVD about? Can you tell us a little bit about that? I made the DVD a number of years ago, and the reason why I made it is because so many people, when they're newly injured, don't have an idea that's positive about recovery. We're terrified. We're very injured. We don't know how to think about it. And many, many people will default to a negative story. Oh, it's going to be awful. I'm not going to get better. I don't know what I'm going to do. So we made this DVD. It's 17 minutes long. There's six survivors on it. And its purpose is to teach people very early something about what it takes to recover and show them images of survivors getting on with their lives so that they have hope and a sense of direction. So does this coincide with what your book talks about or is your book totally different? That's an interesting question, Kim. The book is a book about my journey and what I learned on it. The DVD is related and the and the course and the training I've developed since are related, but each one is unique. So where can people find the book and or the DVD? So the book is easily found by going on my website and linking out to Barnes & Noble or going to Barnes & Noble or Amazon or any of the online booksellers or going to a bookstore and asking for it. That's that's very easy. The DVD is up on the Internet. It can be played. Ask Daniel for the address. He knows how to do that and can put it into the interview. Okay, great. Because I think both would be good for people to get a different view on stroke from someone who has been there. But I also think that the DVD, having several people on there to talk about things, helps too to know that they're not alone. A few years ago, I ran into a woman, and, and she was a little younger than I was, but she didn't know that younger people had strokes, and she was traveling like, I don't know, to North Carolina or something for support groups every other couple of months, and, you know, she was just so relieved to know that people, other people had strokes, not just one or two, but, you know, I mean, not that she wanted people to have strokes, but you know what I mean. Of course. It's like she got all alone. 
I understand. People feel so alone. One of the very first people I taught when I started to teach at Kaiser Permanente in California, I was teaching people in an inpatient setting. And one of the very first people that I taught was a woman in her early 20s who had a postpartum stroke. Oh, yeah. That's hard, being that young. And we know that young people have strokes, too. What do you think is a big challenge in stroke care today? But there's so many. Okay. Um, I think much of it is financial so that the system does not provide nearly as much therapy as would be beneficial to people because there's no means to pay for it in the financial system we have now. I think that may be one of the biggest. Therefore, a lot of people get sent away before they really have what they need. And the other is, I think it's really important that the medical establishment shift their point of view and understand that we are partners. We are not just recipients of care, but we are essential partners in the process. Both us and our caregivers are part of the process of recovery and that it would be beneficial to train us more about how to work with ourselves. Well, and to me, a big thing with stroke is it's not a cookie cutter. You know, you have a stroke where I'm not, my stroke isn't the same as yours or Daniel's or anybody else. Absolutely. They treat us kind of as cookie cutters. Yeah, I agree. That that you go to therapy, you do these things, and that's it. But I think hopefully as stroke survivors, we get involved in our own care now. Not everybody does that, but I think we do. What do you think about stroke survivors helping the drive to change and improve stroke care? I think it's essential, Kim. It's absolutely essential. We are the ones living in this living laboratory of our bodies and our brains and our hearts and our minds. We're the ones who are doing the direct observation of what's going on. We're the only ones who know what's going on. If we're not deeply involved in our own care and we're not deeply involved in making sure that the medical establishment respects us and includes us, we are not making a choice that's going to benefit ourselves. So building a survivor community can be challenging. What do you see as keeping a survivor from engaging? There are many answers to that question, too. I think... One of the, unfortunately, one of the primary ones is that people are embarrassed by this condition and they don't want to talk about what's happened with them and they don't want to think about it. And if you look at recovery and you understand how it works and uh, you work with what I call being mindful, you realize that interaction with others who have this same condition is essential to our own recoveries. So I think one of the things that we need to do is to make it clear to the stroke community that we need each other. And without each other, we are missing an essential part of our recoveries. So I think you just hit on my next question is, how will a community help a survivor recover? I think you just answered that one. Let me tell you a story that I, that about one of the people who is in, in my class. There's one person in my class who'd had an injury 
and it affected what he'd been able to do physically. And when I say that, it means he played a sport, and it affected his ability to play that sport. In response, he shut way down, and he wouldn't even think about that sport. He wouldn't watch it on television. He wouldn't have anything to do with it. He sat in his sorrow. He met another survivor who had an injury that affected her ability to do a sport. And when he realized that she loved watching that sport, he began to open his heart. Why does that matter? It matters because when we even imagine or remember moving, we are wiring our brains towards recovery. So when we refuse to be a part of what we care about, we are actually encouraging learned non-use. And when we allow ourselves to really love and remember what we like to do, we're helping our brains build. Now, he would not have learned that unless he had been with another survivor and watched how she did it. Absolutely. I think being with other survivors, even if it's just a support group once a month or something, can be helpful because, again, you find you're not alone and you find there are similarities and things you might want to do or things that you maybe used to do and you might be able to find out that you can still do it or you can still watch it, as you said. What have you observed or what have you seen in the programs you have built for Kaiser? I teach various versions of a course I created called Mindful Stroke Recovery. I can teach a four-week version I can teach a six, seven, or eight-week version. Depends. And typically the class is organized to teach both survivors and caregivers at the same time. And that also is very important. And I have observed, and Rita, who has taught with me, and others who have taught with me, have observed so many powerful changes in the course of just a few weeks in people's ability to move, to be with themselves, to understand what's going on, to understand each other, to strengthen the relationship between caregivers and survivors, all of which are essential to recovery. I see so much change. So in Stroke Focus, you got involved, or or I guess you met Daniel first, and you two talked about Stroke Focus. Tell us about that. That's a wonderful story. Daniel, bless his heart, found me through the Internet, saw some film I had made, a little piece of film, and reached out to me and asked me a question. And I responded because, of course, I could, and he was there. And so I started this email correspondence with Daniel, and we would talk about recovery. And he was in that place in which medical personnel were telling him he wasn't going to get better and he'd done as much as he could do and he wasn't going to be able to do anymore. And I said, no, Daniel, that's wrong. And we kept up this correspondence. And I watched him through this flourish, unfold, bring himself through his experience and learn so much. And then he began to say to me, I want to do the same thing you did. I want to reach out to other people who've had a stroke. I want to help them. I want to make a difference. And my skill set 
is in computers and internet and websites and that's what I'm expert at. So then he said to me, when I get altogether recovered, I will start this. And I said to him, Daniel, start now. And he did. That's great. I didn't know the background story there. Um, that's kind of a cool story. Thank mm-hmm. you for, for leading him on that path and, and kind of saying, start it now. Start it um, now. Yeah. Well, if, we, if we claim our lives now, we fuel our own recoveries. Don't wait. Your life is right here in front of you. Claim it now. Reach for it. Life begets life. You let life into yourself and you will fuel your own recovery. So as part of Stroke Focus, what would you like the team to accomplish or what would you like to see happen with the Stroke Focus site? One of the things I dearly want to see happen is all of us educate each other. I want us to bring our individual expertise, like you bring your wonderful interview expertise, and you bring it and you help other people with it. You teach us all how to do this. I want survivors to come to Stroke Focus and help one another, reach our hands out to each other and help one another through this and to open our lives to endless possibilities. That's what I want. So um, you do have um, a website, and um, I was just looking to see again what it was, healingintopossibility.com. And you do provide coaching information to people who are interested. Tell us about your website. The website was created to to show people the existence of the book, the DVD. I've now written a workbook called Mindful Stroke Recovery, and I use that when I teach. It was it was open. The website was open to show people about recovery and to tell them something about it. It's not the kind of website that Daniel has created. Daniel has created a website which is interactive. My website is more informational. Okay, that's good to know. Before we go, is there anything else you would like to pass on that um, you think people would be interested in or words of wisdom, I guess I call them? That's a very interesting question. I would love for people with strokes to really embrace is their own wholeness. We may have been injured, and the expression of that wholeness may have been altered by physical changes in our bodies and our brains, but we are essentially and always will be whole. We are life trying to manifest itself through us, and if we will open our hearts to that and let ourselves continue to grow and develop, we have endless gifts to bring to this world. Wow, I think that's so true. But that's a powerful message that I think many stroke survivors need to hear because I think many feel like their life's over at uh, the point after the stroke or when they get out of the hospital or when they get out of therapy. 
they don't seem to have positive outlook. Instead of, I embrace everything that I am now, whether it's losing my filters, because there are some that are totally gone, or, yeah. uh, you know, my, my quirkiness, or, you know, whatever. I embrace it because it makes me who I am now, and I'm not a bad person, you know, and I, I wish more people would, would do that, embrace the life that they have now to move forward. And I think that's kind of, in many ways, what you've just said, but I, that your words are powerful and people needed to hear that. So Thank um, you. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. For all our members with aphasia, our audio editors will help make your interview smooth. Do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net. Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.